0: Right on, right on, right on. Right on radio. Right on radio. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Right on Radio. It is a blessed Sunday. We're glad you are here with us this morning. This is going to be quite an amazing chapter. Jesse, I am looking forward to it. How about you?
1: Yeah, this is a good one. I think we'll get a lot of good discussion off of it.
0: Yeah, and we'll we'll actually stray outside of the Bible and cover a little bit of apostasy that's going on as well. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. Hey, listen, before we get going, uh, there had been some people commenting on a couple of the last programs that my microphone is way louder than Jesse's. Can anyone, uh, just give us some feedback in the chat so I can make some adjustments. And while we're waiting for, while we're waiting for that feedback, Jesse, we usually pray before we go on air, but today let's do it with everyone. So I just say, heavenly father, we give you thanks for this privilege of gathering together. We give you thanks for the for having the Holy Spirit in us that gives us the understanding of your Word. Father, without Your you sending your Holy Spirit, we could not get to the depths of your Word, and there would be no proper understanding. But because your Spirit dwells within us, we can connect with you in a much deeper way. Father, as we go through your Scripture today, we pray that the Holy Spirit does the ministering to anyone who's listening, that everyone will gather understanding by your spirit, not by the words spoken by Jeff or Jesse. Father God, if we say anything that is not from you or does not glorify you, we pray it falls off of the ears of anyone who hears it. And we pray for your immediate correction, Lord, that we may redact and... Repent of our of our falling away from your word. So, Father God, we pray this broadcast goes forward. We thank you for each one that you have brought to this broadcast. We pray for their understanding. We pray for wisdom, and we pray for health as well. We pray for their finances uh, and all things in your sustenance and and Father. What's most on my heart today is just your gift of faith. We pray that your faith gift goes into the hearts of each one that is gathered here today and even the ones who watch the replays of this. Father, I just pray they lift up their hands to you and receive a greater gift of faith, that we will have your substance as we go forward into these days that you have predestined for us. We pray this in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen. Amen. Okay, how's the mic? Okay, it says, I think it sounds the same. That's good. Okay.
1: Yeah, I think it's good.
0: Hey, before we get started, I do want to give a uh, shout out and a thank you to the two Erics that did a special listener broadcast. And and honestly, Jesse, when we first started this thing, uh, you know it was on my heart to get people involved and to get people out there. And it's not people looking for fame or looking for a new platform, but really just wanting to edify the body. And what a a great word of encouragement from Red Yoda. And then Eric with his uh, dissemination of the Lord's Prayer, I thought was absolutely brilliant, uplifting and empowering. Uh, If you have not watched that, I would certainly suggest that you do.
1: Yeah. And I was so encouraged. I love seeing, um, the men step up. So, you know, if there's more guys out there who are willing to put more out there, it is very uplifting and encouraging.
0: It is. And, and, you know, it's funny, Jesse, Is we've been talking about this for a while and, you know, in the analytics, you kind of see who's watching and who isn't, and he get a kind of a demographic breakdown and it's always been heavily favored towards a female audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the percentage is actually going down right now, uh, which means more men are starting to step up and it's about time fellas.
1: <laughs> we won't complain about that at all. <laughs>
0: no, no, that's right. That's right. So this is uh one of the more, I won't say cryptic because it's a straightforward chapter, but it deals more with the heavenlies. And so it's a little bit harder to get the picture into our perception where uh, the book of Revelation is split. Again, it's 22 chapters, the first 11 chapters, and then it repeats itself, starts off in uh, in the 12th chapter, and it starts with the birth of Christ and goes right to the very end. Uh, one of the major differences, although the story repeats, the first 11 chapters are more from an earthly perspective of what's happening on the earth. And then in these chapters, it's the same events, but you're getting a little bit more of a of a kingdom focus and what's happening in the heavenlies as this goes on. And I and I think it's just so beautifully illustrated uh for us. And you know, there's there's some things in here that uh you know people have misinterpreted, and I've watched tons of different interpretations on this chapter and my preparation for it. And I'll tell you whenever uh, I start to look at one of the, and, it, and there's there's somewhat of a coincidence that I'm starting draw, to draw, Jesse, and that is, you know, the the bigger the church and the bigger the platform, the further away from the truth it is.
1: You know, I, I think I agree. Most mega churches, they do, you know, they start to really get far away from scripture and, you don't hear as much scripture as you do interpretation of scripture or uh stories and analogies, different things like that that fill the ser- sermon time.
0: Yeah. And and one of the things that they that a lot of them are saying is these uh the dispensation of the ages, you know, chapters two and three is the church age, and that's where we are, and stuff like that. And quite honestly, from my study and again just my observations. Or whenever they start going that way, they start going towards a pre-trib thing and, you know, uh, sorry, a pre-trib rapture. And the scripture is pretty clear on when the rapture happens, and it's not pre-trib. That's escapism. I think there's going to be a lot of people who are really disappointed When we go through uh, some certain things here on earth, Uh, but we do escape the wrath of God. His kids, uh, God's kids, do not go through the wrath of God. So uh, that is the good news. But we are not going to escape some difficult times, but God will carry us through because He is faithful to His word and His promises.
1: He certainly is.
0: All right, well, let's do the reading of the word. Jesse, I will start. So this is Revelation chapter 14, and I am reading from the New American Standard. Then I looked, and behold, the Lamb was standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000 who had his name and the name of his father written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven like the sound of many waters and like the sound of loud thunder. And the voice which I was hearing was like the sound of harpists playing on their harps. And they sang a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and the elders. And no one was able to learn the song except the 144,000 who had been purchased from the earth. These are the ones who have not defiled themselves with women, for they are celibate. They are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever he goes. These have been purchased from mankind as first fruits to God and to the Lamb and no lie was found in their mouths, they are blameless. And I saw another angel flying in mid-heaven with an eternal gospel to preach to those who live on the earth and to every nation, tribe, language, and people. And he said with a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and the springs of waters. And another angel, a second one followed saying fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She who has made all the nations drink of the wine of the passion of her sexual immortality or immorality.
1: A third angel followed them and said in a loud voice, if anyone worships the beast and its image and receives its mark on their forehead or on their hand, they too will drink the wine of God's fury, which has been poured full strength into the cup of his wrath. They will be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and of the lamb and the smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever There will be no rest day or night for those who worship the beast in its image or for anyone who receives the mark of its name. This calls for patient endurance on the part of the people of God who keep his commands and remain faithful to Jesus. Then I heard a voice from heaven say, Write this Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, they will rest from their labor, for their deeds will follow them. I looked, and there before me was a white cloud, and seated on the cloud was one like the Son of Man with a crown of gold on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. Then another angel came out of the temple and called in a loud voice to him who was sitting on the cloud, Take your sickle and reap, because the time to reap has come for the harvest of the earth is ripe. So he who was seated on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth, and the earth was harvested. Another angel came out of the temple in heaven, and he too had a sharp sickle. Still another angel who had charge of the fire came from the altar, and called in a loud voice to him who had the sharp sickle. Take your sharp sickle and gather the clusters of grapes from the earth's vine, because its grapes are ripe. The angel swung his sickle on the earth, gathered its grapes, and threw them into a great wine press of God's wrath. They were trampled in the wine press outside the city, and blood flowed out of the press, rising as high as the horses' bridles for a distance of 1600 stadia.
0: That's a lot of blood.
1: That is a lot.
0: Woo! This this chapter's got everything, Jesse. It really has everything. Um, Wow. Okay, where to start? Right at the beginning. All right, so... Then I looked... And behold, the Lamb was standing on Mount Zion with him the hundred and forty-four thousand who had his name and the name of his Father written on their foreheads. So, like always, there are a ton of different references you could put to almost everything. Uh, these studies could take, you know, hours upon hours to get into depth. So. Uh, We're just going to give you kind of the overview, uh, but the depths and and what we believe is the meanings of these chapters, and as always, we encourage you to look up these things for yourself. Uh, Before we describe who the 144,000 is, um, a couple weeks ago, Jesse, we had promised we were going to do a show on the... Uh, what some channels are calling the 144,000 as star seeds. Mm -hmm. And it's really, I think, important to cover this because this is, again, part of the great apostasy. The Bible is very clear on who these 144,000 are, uh, but you should be aware of what they are saying in the false teachings. And the False Teachings, there's a channel, and I don't even want to name it because I really don't want to send you guys there to listen to it. And originally, I was going to break down everything that this channel says because the program is about an hour long and really take it apart with the Bible. Um, but essentially what they're saying, and have you heard the Starseed thing, Jesse?
1: Yeah, um, I have heard that and am familiar
0: with it. So what they're saying, and and it's kind of along the ascended masters thing and, you know, uh, this global consciousness thing, and you can ascend to the higher realms and all this stuff, you know, which leads to you being God, by the way, you know, which is, you know, so you can tell exactly where that comes from. But what is in essence, what they're saying with these star seeds is there's going to be a time. And there's this 144,000 in the heaven. And if you were worthy, if you were ascended enough, then when you pray, you can pray that one of these star seeds and this soul will come and merge into your body with your soul and you will know all things. Okay. Essentially, that's what they're saying. And and so they're setting up a bunch of people, probably more than 144,000 because the lie is so big. Uh, of people who are going to be basically throwing up their arms in a mass possession event. That's the way I see it. People asking to be possessed.
1: Well, it's, um, you know, it's actually saying that the Lord has soul vaults, and not all those vaults have, have been given a human physical form yet so the theory is that they have set apart or that god has set apart 144 of these souls that yet are to enter into the earth so where the apostasy or the um false teaching comes in is that you know they've been teaching that there's that really there's only one way for souls to enter into a body and, and that's through like a um we'll just say a mass near death experience and so you know as that happens they're warning people not to be afraid that if one of these souls comes to you to receive it to accept it because it's a thing of honor um you know and so right there it kind of goes against what scripture even says about these souls that they are individuals who you know are virgins you know, how do you know if you have this mass event? Like, are, are they only going to target people who are virgins? That's one of my questions. Um, but supposedly through this near-death experience, you can receive one of these 144 souls. And so there would be the possession, basically, um, that they're trying to get people to accept.
0: Yeah. Uh, so that's not from God folks and that's why we just wanted to cover it and we know that uh, you who are with us today have the discernment and have enough Bible knowledge to know uh, that that uh, is a lie from the pit of hell. However, uh, we just want to address it and let you know so you know how to come against it if you encounter that and perhaps you can Save so you can, you know, lead someone to proper eternity and save him from this demonic event. That, uh, I don't know if they're planning or if they just, uh, you know, are putting it out there to lead you astray. Uh, but it's demonic, so it's meant for destruction, yeah. Okay, so the Bible is very clear, and we covered off the 144,000 in, in pretty good detail, I would say, when we did chapter seven. Uh, But just to reiterate, the 144,000, because they came, and it's very clear in chapter 7 that it's 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes. Uh, These 12 tribes are no longer in existence. You cannot find them. Uh, So this leads me to think that they are Old Testament saints. Uh, You know, listen, maybe they were babies who were killed uh maybe they were uh young men who died in battle uh but they were definitely uh seekers of the lord and and i don't think it all happened at one time i think the gathering uh, and again i'm going to stress the think the gathering of these 144,000 happened over a large period of time because in all the earth it's hard to find 144,000 that would fit this category <laughs> All at one point in time, especially if they're adults, and the fact that it uh, alludes to that they are virgins makes me think that they were not—they were of age, you might say, uh, through adolescence, and they've made those choices to stay that way. Uh, that's just my thoughts. Yeah, um,
1: I I go along with that as well. Um, there are some out there who do propose that these are um, I there was a couple mass genocides of Israeli boys uh, ages two and under. Um, King Herod,
0: trying, yeah.
1: Yeah, King Herod and uh, also Pharaoh. And so uh, some propose that these are uh, the boys from those mass genocides.
0: Yeah, and, and that could be true uh, as well. Uh, I don't know, but just the fact that it mentions they're virgins, uh, and by the way, if you're that age, you probably are, you are a virgin, uh, however, right. I, I just tend to, I, I go with the inclination that they had made a choice to uh, to be that way for God, mm-hmm. uh, Yeah. but uh, we, we will find out, but what is interesting here, and it reiterates on Mount Zion, now there is the Mount Zion in the physical, but there's also Mount Zion uh, in heaven, of course, and we believe this is in heaven, that they are talking about here. Everything in the chapter points towards that. Uh, so these are the first fruits that have already been gathered or purchased by God. Mm-hmm. And so they are with God in the heavenlies and essentially waiting to be dispatched. They are marked on their foreheads with the Father and the Son's name because they are here during the time of God's wrath, because when God removes his people, he does not leave the world without hope. Uh, he, A father doesn't want to lose any children, and so uh, there's going to be the two witnesses that will be here. We'll get to them uh, coming up. However, uh, he's also going to be sending the 144,000, and essentially it's going to be the 144,000 and the two witnesses that are preaching to throughout the earth. Mm -hmm. And I heard a voice from heaven, like the sound of many waters and like the sound of loud thunder. And the voice I heard was like sound of harpists playing on their harps. And they sang a new song before the throne of the four living creatures and the elders. And no one was able to learn the song except the 144,000 who had been purchased from the earth, again, indicating that they're in heaven. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so first of all, 144,000 singing worship. And they're, when, when you're singing, you're not doing it in a quiet voice, right? When you sing, right. you, you're you projecting out. So I, I could see 144,000 <laughs> know, sounding like the way it was being described.
1: Yeah, definitely. And you've got the harp, which is one of those that vibrates at perfect frequency. So imagining all these voices together sounding like a beautiful harp.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, Yeah, it's funny. I So I believe that there's only two instruments that vibrate at those perfect frequencies, and that's the harp and the shofar.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: Very, very interesting. Uh, and now, and, and you know, Jesse, I wouldn't have ever thought of this before uh, getting to know you, quite honestly. Uh, but when they sang a song that only they know, it's only they know, and they are going to be returning to Earth, right? Hmm. So, so <laughs> it, 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 now. <laughs> Uh, that's what i'm thinking so so uh, actually let me let me think so they they had to die on earth because to be absent from the body you're in heaven so they they were killed or they died somehow and that's when they went up there wasn't a, a first rapture with them uh it wasn't mentioned in the bible anyways. so i don't believe there was a rapture but they died but now they're coming back do you think they are singing a song to open up this gateway
1: that is very plausible plausible (laughs) highly highly plausible no i think you're you're probably right on about that you know i keep i keep talking about how scripture talks about the spiritual gates it's not something the lord has hidden from us but we're just not used to thinking in that in that way
0: i would have never seen this before knowing you yeah All right, so they sang a new song before the four living creatures and the elders. Jesse, do you remember who the four living creatures are?
1: Yeah, those are the ones that are before the throne of God and the elders' thrones are also before the throne of
0: God. The 24 elders and the 24 elders just keep getting up, singing a song of worship, (laughs) going back, kneeling down, getting up, singing a song of worship and they're happy to do this, you know. Um, man, what's interesting
1: is that these are the ones who are singing a song before God's throne up until this point, and so these 144 kind of come out, and it's like they're being presented, they're presenting this new song before the throne of God, before the living creatures and the elders.
0: That's right, Uh, you
1: know, it's interesting, it doesn't say if their song complements the song of the living creatures and the elders, or if the elders and the creatures literally are silent during this song.
0: Yeah, uh, listen, this is one of the mysteries. The The Bible doesn't give us that answer, obviously, um, but the, the effect is still the same. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, there, there's a time... For everything and you know i think this is a a time when they sing their song and uh because this particular time in the heavenlies is like no other time ever before right Right. like this this happens a one-time event sort of thing at least what we're what we're told
1: that's what we're told it it, i would say it is a one-time event so
0: And again, so these are the ones who have not defiled themselves with women. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Don't insert joke here. For they are celibate. Yeah. (laughs) These are the ones. I'm getting more disciplined, Jesse. Have you noticed? (laughs) (laughs) These are the ones who follow the lamb wherever he goes. They have been purchased from mankind as first fruits to God and to the Lamb. When it says first fruits and purchased, Jesse, what do those things mean to you?
1: Yeah, you know, it goes back to, you know, it's in Revelations 5 where it talks about um, that the Lamb has purchased every tribe, every tongue, every nation to be a kingdom of priests. So, you know, when I see that here in this context, that um, these these 144, uh, they follow the lamb wherever he goes, and they were purchased from among mankind to be uh, first fruits. You know, I see that as they are literally living and walking in their kingdom priestly duties.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and the purchase, obviously, God purchased everyone uh, from the beginning of time till the end of time uh, with his blood when he died on the cross that day and rose again three days later. Uh, But I also find it interesting. They are the ones who follow the lamb wherever he goes. That's one of my
1: favorite lines in scripture ever. I love that one.
0: And what is it that stands out to you?
1: Just that thought of, um, you know, if you think of the Lord as a shepherd and, you know, anybody who's done shepherding knows that it's really difficult to get the lambs to all follow, yet to imagine that there's 144 that, you know, there's no running off, there's no hiding, there's, you know, going to greener pastures. (laughs) They are content just being right there, following the shepherd and his voice wherever he goes.
0: Yeah. Called out right from a young age, and obviously you because it says, and no lie was found in their mouths, they are blameless. So uh these young men were preaching the uh the word of God, you know, they they were devout right from right from birth and they were blameless. Yeah. Quite an accomplishment. Uh, that's why that's why I really think that they were collected over a number of years, not just in a mass event. Uh, although some of them might have been, look, we don't know. Uh, but uh they uh they followed the lamb and yeah, we'll uh all these things in a twinkling of an eye will make sense to us. Amen. And I saw another angel flying in mid-heaven with an eternal gospel to preach to those who live on the earth and to every nation, tribe, language, and people. And he said with a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and springs of water. So this is, yeah, go ahead, Jesse.
1: I was going to say, you just got to bring out the vibrancy of this, this verse. I mean, this is kind of comparable to, you know, when, when Jesus was born and all of the angels appeared in the heavenlies to proclaim that the Messiah had been born, you know, and all of a sudden again, you have this angel, you know, appearing in the heavens. And I believe that every eye, is going to be able to see this, every ear is going to hear, because it says, you know, these angels, they're messengers of God, and he's given the Mm -hmm. eternal gospel. His job is to proclaim to those who live in the earth, and it says every nation, every tribe, every language, every people, he's to proclaim to us, fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come. I mean, what a declaration, you know, to see. You know, I, I don't think there's going to be any question in our mind as to when that hour is upon us. You know, I, I believe what scripture says that, you know, we're going to see this angel appear and he's going to say, the hour's come. And, you know, you've got one choice worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. And, um, I think it's going to be pretty dynamic. And yet we know from further revelations that even after this angel appears, that there are still some who refuse to worship. They refuse to acknowledge God as the one who made the heavens and the earth and everything in them. They refuse to give him that sovereign lordship and you know, they will go through all the tribulations until the very end, because they refuse to repent, and they will, you know, scripture says they will experience God's wrath because of that.
0: And and what I find interesting about this, and and of course, again, this is looking more from the heav- heavenly perspective, uh, and where we went in chapter 7, it was more from an earthly perspective, and the earthly perspective, you know, mimics, uh you know Matthew 24 and and things like that where the the moon goes red the sun goes dark you know and that's right after the mark of the beast is introduced into the world and yeah. when you if someone has taken the mark they're already gone and if we remember going back to chapter 13 and we you have to understand the book of revelation is in chronological order okay mm-hmm. uh so instead of it pointing out here that the the uh, the sun goes dark and the moon goes blood red. This is coming from the heavenlies. And it's also an angel proclaiming this. And you're right. I believe that every single ear that is here on earth is going to hear this. And uh, and what's the angel doing? He's essentially bringing the eternal gospel and he's, you know, giving it to the 144,000 uh, to go out and preach on the earth. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, Absolutely you know, it's just like this heavenly scene. Um, I, I mean, there's no other way to do this than theatrically, because I think it's just going to be so powerful. And, uh, you know, after that, we have the second angel that comes out and he cries out, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great, um, you know, which made all the nations drink of the maddening wine of her adulteries. Um, What's interesting is, you know, scholars speculate, um, you know, where is Babylon the Great? Is it talking about the ancient city of Babylon that was during, you know, the biblical times? Or is it talking about the United States of America? Um, It could interchangeably be either or both, Um, you know. We do know that um, back in, you know, the 70s, they had plans drawn up. And from what I've heard, the plans for rebuilding Babylon um, in its original place already has been taking place. So, you know, it could be uh, that. And then we also know that the system has a second Babylon uh, which was at NORAD uh, military base in Colorado. Um, and, uh, you know, they would call NORAD Babylon. So it could be both.
0: You know, I, uh, I've debated this quite a bit. And, you know, uh, obviously Babylon was a geographical location uh, in this context what I see is, is describing the system of Babylon, which is essentially running the world. And yeah, because yeah. this is, this is going out to all of the world now. And really what's left is the Babylonian system. And so I think Babylon and it's basically Babylon has fallen because, you know, let's face it. God has already finished this work in the heavenlies. This is just working out now in the, uh, in the nations. So, uh, and by the way, the other, the other thing I think it's really important to mention, you know, people think that, uh, the book of revelation is so complex because of the symbology and everything else that's in it. And, you know, right or wrong, uh, although I I always, I, I think I'm right in this, uh, the way I read scripture is always with this in mind. Uh, I believe it to be literal unless it says something that is obviously not literal. Uh, You know,
1: I I think I, I, I use it the same way. Um, You know, there's some things you have to use discretion with and go by the spirit of God on, but I too believe it, you know, it speaks to our past, present, future, And there's a height, a breadth, and a depth, and a width to Scripture. Um, So, yeah, I agree with that, Jeff.
0: So, I I really find this particular passage uh, interesting. Uh, She who has made all the nations drink the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality yeah what is God trying to tell us there you
1: know I think it from how I've always seen it you know and and what's interesting is that right before this passage you have where everybody has to make that choice are they going to take the mark of the beast or are they going to face death because they refuse to, you know, bow down and worship an idol. So I believe that it really speaks to the heart of that idol worship, which is the first commandment, you know, you shall have no other gods before me. Um, And, you know, who's ultimately behind that idol worship, you know, it goes all the way back to the pride of, of Satan that, uh, you know, he said, I will dis- or ascend, I will be like the most high. And in his heart, he set himself up as an idol and worshiped himself. Um, so, you know, what's interesting is you, as we're seeing these scenes come together, you know, you would logically think that after everybody has had to make this choice, you know, are they getting the mark? Are they not? The, the ones who don't get the mark, you know, the majority of them are executed, you know, unless they were hiding. Um, But it sounds like pretty much everybody has to make that choice. Uh, So, you know, you have this mass, this massacre that happens and all that you have left, let's just say, are those who have taken the mark of this beast and who've made their declaration that, you know, they will not worship God or bow down to him. And you would think that that would mean that they've won, um, that they, uh, you know, that they've got the victory in this. And yet right after that comes this angelic declaration, fallen, fallen, fallen is babylon the great which made all the nations drink of the maddening wine of her adulteries
0: yeah uh, so you know when when the mark comes about uh i believe there's going to be a couple different camps well three there's going to be the ones that take the mark and then i think there's going to be the ones that don't take the mark but i believe that'll be a mix it'll obviously be uh god's children who have the discernment not to take it. But there's also people who believe in all kinds of other stuff who are going to be hiding out and, you know, trying to separate themselves from society. And, uh, but they don't know God. They believe in something else. And there's a lot of different roads you can go down. We don't have to go there. But uh, when I read this, uh, the nations drink the wine of the passion of sexual immorality. And, you know, perhaps this just comes to mind because I've been, it's been in my mind for, you've heard me say it for months now. Uh, the greatest religion on earth right now is the flesh. Mm-hmm. And when it says, drink the wine of the passion over sexual immortality, I don't think it's just talking about sex. I don't think it's about non covenantal sex it, exclusively. I think it's just talking about the weaknesses of the flesh. And that is probably a good way to describe it. And what drives most of the world's decisions? It's the flesh. Uh, I've, I've long maintained that uh, I believe the flesh is a greater enemy than, than the enemy, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, because, listen, we, we all want things that feel good. We all want yeah. these things. And, uh, and most of the things that really feel good, uh, if they're not from the God, are taking you away from God.
1: Yeah. And I agree. I think it's not, you know, like the unknown, like the um, sins that, you know, are not necessarily willful. You know, when you fall into temptation, you're not expecting to fall into that temptation that, you know, the, the word adulteries here and the way that it's presented, you know, implies this brazen, uh, knowing that you know what you're doing is wrong, and you still boldly choose to do it, even in the face of the one that you're committing the adulteries against. So, you know, when Scripture speaks of this, um, all throughout the prophets and in the Old Testament, the Lord really goes into details. It wasn't just that Israel, you know, followed after these other gods and idols, and and committed their sins in secret or tried to, you know, do it where they believed the Lord couldn't see it. It literally meant that they, you know, like an adulterous woman, they literally brought their lover in and did the sinful deeds right in front of the Lord's face. So, um, you know, it's a very heavy judgment that the Lord is bringing out against them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And listen, I, I'm just looking at the chat real closely here. Uh, listen, uh, and I'm going to have to ask our uh, our mods, listen, you cannot mention the V word. Do not mention names. Do not mention things. Uh, it really hurts our channel, okay? Uh, so, you know, we're not saying what you're saying is bad or that we disagree with it. But mods, I got to ask you to take down... Uh, people who name names and name things like the V word and things like, because the bots come around afterwards and this is how we get attacked. Okay. Um, And, and by the way, it would be even better if you were one of the people who mentioned one of these things to go and delete your own comment because that would show integrity and ethics. Uh, And so, you know, I probably should say that more often at the beginning of the, uh, the broadcast, but uh, I do ask the moderators to do that. Uh, things like V word in particular are very, very bad for us. And, and even the naming of uh, other religions and things like that, it can be a little bit hard. Just be a little bit uh, clever in your chat. Okay. Uh, we have a highly intelligent uh, audience that will be able to pick up what you're talking about.
1: Yeah. And definitely, I, you know, I see a quick question since it kind of goes along with what we were just discussing. Um, someone in the audience asked, if you're an adulterer, is there forgiveness from God if you repent? And the answer to that is absolutely. Um, whether that adultery is in marriage, whether that adultery is against God with idols, um, his word says that if we confess those sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And, you know, a good example in scriptures is of Mary Magdalene. Um, You know, they were going to stone her because of her sexual sins and her prostitution. Yet the Lord said, he who's without sin casts the first stone. And, you know, she was someone who was forgiven and uh, then joined the Lord and the disciples in uh, preaching the gospel after that. So uh, that showed full restoration that the Lord allowed her into that inner circle that even only men usually were a part of, that he allowed her to be among them and preaching the gospel with them.
0: Amen. And King David is another example. You know, not only, not only was he an adulterer, he was a murderer you know, Mm -hmm. uh, trying to cover up his sins. And yet, uh, you know, God said, this is a man after my heart. So, uh, there, there is redemption. And, you know, part of Jesse's ministry is people who've done far worse, uh, to pull them out and have them to repent. But, you know, when you ask for forgiveness, you really want to, uh, to turn your direction and go away from that, uh, to, ask for repentance is not to say you're sorry and to be planning to do it again in the back of your mind okay
1: and and there's another verse um i can't remember the exact biblical address but um you know it, it kind of speaks to if people you know have repented they've brought their sin before god but they're still struggling with the guilt and the shame of it scripture says confess your sins to one another that you may be healed so sometimes um You know, if we've got a sin where the feelings of guilt and shame and bitterness and resentment um, are are causing that emotional damage within us, that may be one that we need to confess to others and, um, you know, and receive that healing and that forgiveness. Sometimes we need to hear that we're forgiven over something.
0: Yeah. Amen. Great question, by the way. Um, That was good we'll never get tired of talking about, uh, Jesus forgiveness for your sins, because really that's what this whole thing is about. Uh, when you're living in this earth suit, there's no other way, but by grace of God and, uh, and God is willing to forgive, you know, uh, well, I think the only one that he says he won't do is the blaspheming of the Holy spirit. That's well, and the mark of the beast. So that there's the two that, uh, that are without forgiveness.
1: Well, I think it goes hand in hand that you know the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is that refusal to submit to God and to his authority. And uh, you know, in essence the mark of the beast is the same thing. You're refusing to worship God um and come under that come under his authority.
0: All right, so this is a little side discussion. I didn't mean to go down, but it's it's a very interesting thought. And you know, Jesse, many people in the who are raised in the system, uh, they are born again on purpose to get the authority, and then then they blaspheme, which is the ultimate sin against God. That's the way I see it. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Well. You know, I think it's a little more complicated than that because you got to remember that that's part of the programming and the training that they go through starting from a very young age. You're brought up believing fully that you're a Christian, yet at the same time, you have all these experiences that put you in a place where you have to blaspheme God. Um, so I believe the Lord sees the heart in that. Um you know, I've, I've quoted that I believe that at least 95% of the people within the system don't want to be there. They don't want to be worshiping the enemy or doing anything ritually or uh, fulfilling any of the quotas. So, you know, I think it's a matter of the heart and um, ultimately, you know, everybody comes to that moment where they have to declare before God are they going to serve him or are they going to remain in that captivity of the system? So, um, you know, but you do have those who brazenly, you know, I definitely would say it was a massive blasphemy that I would witness every night, you know, when um, the mothers or high level elites would be. Praying to God, asking literally, they're praying to God and saying, Lord, forgive me, for I'm about to sin. And then they commit the sin. Um, You know, to me, that is a blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And I do not believe that there's grace, nor, you know, is that confession or forget, you know, that's not considered confession on the Lord's end. Um, that's nothing but blatant willful sin
0: yeah that that's they're trying to be legalistic and uh yeah. and but I, I think you said it best when God knows their heart and right. at the end of the day I really believe that's what it comes down to is uh, is where your heart is at. So let's continue then another angel, a third one followed them saying with a loud voice, if anyone, worships the beast and his image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he will also will drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is mixed in full strength in the cup of his anger. And he will be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the lamb. Yeah. Woo. Right. You know,
1: (laughs) this is one of my favorite (coughs) verses and not, um, I have to be careful how to clarify favorite, but it's just one that really um, grips my heart because there's so much depth to it. And, Mm. you know, I've done a lot of studies on, you know, it's the particular um, wording, you know, the cup of God's wrath. And it's really uh, the only other place we see that wording about the cup is, you know, in the New Testament where um, it's speaking about communion. And, you know, the cup that that Jesus drank from that he gave the disciples before his death. And there's this great book, um, Christ at the Round Table. And in there, the missionary has this chapter uh, where he talks about everything that went into that cup. And it's just it's so powerful. And he talks about, you know, how most churches focus when, you know, they think about that cup, they just think about, you know, Jesus and him saying that his blood, his, his body, the symbols of that went into that cup, and that we, you know, internalize that and participate in that death um, and new life resurrection when we drink from that cup. But, you know, a lot of them forget that there's one last cup and that's the cup of God's wrath. That is, you know, it wasn't even just that that cup was poured and is available to drink. Uh, There's drinking from the cup. And then there's a moment where the cup of God's wrath gets poured out. Uh, So there's all these symbologies in the scriptures about that cup.
0: And and I really like this particular uh, couple of verses because, uh, to be honest, I think they're some of the most teachable uh, verses that are in there. They, these verses have uh, made me look at the scriptures in new ways. And, uh, you know, so again, you know, God's dispatching another angel. He's sending out another angel. And saying with a loud voice, if anyone worships the beast and his image and receives the mark on his forehead or in his hand. Now, first of all, the mark in his forehead or in his hand, uh, that's repeated multiple times. So when people say this V word is uh, no, (laughs) it's going to be obvious. But what's also the thing is if anyone worships the beast and his image, and I have this imagery inside of my head. Now I'm just, this is just Jeff uh, putting out, okay? So I'm not saying this is the way it is, but I think when people receive that mark, it's going to be so obvious. I'm I'm almost picturing you kneeling before a statue and receiving that mark. And where do you want it? Here or here? Right. Right. Um, Like, I I honestly think it's going to, going to happen that way. Um, I don't know, but it's going to be really obvious that you are taking the mark. Uh, They're not going to trick you into it. It's going to be, listen, this is the guy and and he's going to be obvious at the time before he introduces the mark. Look, he's going to be the one person who takes control of the earth politically, religiously. It's going to be an obvious person okay or hybrid person <laughs> yeah.
1: i i think that you know personally i i believe it's you know also going to be a, a very evident symbol on our forehead or our hand and i believe that it's either going to be something miraculous or more like a branding i think yeah. it's going to happen in front of the image that you know like in the days of Daniel, people are going to have to go before this image and bow the knee. And we're told that the image is able to speak as well as it's got this breath that comes out of its mouth.
0: They so can I kill. Would, Yes.
1: So I think it's going to be, you know, thinking about scripture, how does God mark those who are his? You know, um, he puts his name on their forehead. So I think that. that when this image speaks, that it's going to somehow its breath is going to be able to put that mark on our forehead or on our hand and mark us. And those who don't receive it are going to, you know, may be killed by the breath coming from its mouth. So I think, you know, that's going to be part of the fear tactic that as you see the people in front of you, you know standing before this image that's breathing and some live and some don't i think that that's going to make more willing you know they they want to receive that mark because they don't want to die um but that's just my personal thoughts on it
0: yeah and i also wonder with the uh with the with the hand or the forehead if there's a a a division like a, a hierarchy like almost like the forehead is a more of a status symbol uh, than the hand or something like that. You were selected to be a part or, you know, I don't know. I, I'm th- that's, that's not, that's not the gospel. That's just, uh, just right. kind of, you know, sitting in wonder with God's word. And I think that that is healthy. At least I find it to be healthy for, <laughs> for myself. Right. Um, but what, what is also interesting. So, um, Will drink the wine of the wrath of God, which is mixed in full strength in the cup of His mm-hmm. anger. Now, yeah. when when we've covered, we've already covered the wrath, and we're going to get there again as we continue. Uh, listen, folks, the wrath is not pretty. This is yeah. this is not a time. Uh, listen, if you get put in front of a, a beast that's going to take you out instantly, go that way. <laughs> go out that way because you don't want to be taken out by God's wrath let me just put it there Uh, do not make short term decisions you know and Mm -hmm. even if it's just as simple as well I need to get groceries or I need to work ladies and gentlemen the God who created the heaven and the earth is angry and it's full measure that he's going to be pouring out yeah Uh, Not much more you can say on that. We can't imagine how bad it's going to be because, uh, when you read the wrath of God, it just, you cannot think of anything worse.
1: Well, I think instead of feeling helpless, you know, a lot of times when we feel like we're put into a bind, you know, where we'd have to take the mark if we want to go get groceries or feed our children, if we want to survive, if we want to have housing, um, you know so it's going to be desperate times and you know in desperation people you know our our natural um thought processes to think well god you know there will be grace god will forgive us he knows my circumstances no. but in this situation you know it really is the final times like the lord's calling for us to to stand up in our faith. And so, you know, we've got a choice. Are we going to um, bow down to the system, which, you know, collects all of our food, has it in grocery stores, or are we going to trust that even if we don't have access to that, that we have a God who will provide for us? Um, So it's really, you know, that decision that, You know, it's not just a matter of, oh, the Lord knows my needs and, and, you know, this will be okay by taking, you know, going to that grocery store um, in those days or, or taking that mark so that you can feed or, or take care of your family. It's really an outright statement that you're saying, you know, I'm not going to trust the Lord to provide.
0: Yeah. And, you know, you've, you and I have uh, maybe different approaches to this, Jesse, but uh, the one place where I'll agree is that God will provide for us. And, and don't, don't forget, Jesus proved to us that you can go 40 days without food. Okay. Um, I don't think that he'll make you go 40 days without food. Uh, I believe he will provide, but at the same time he's given us the scriptures in advance and you might want to prepare and have a bit of a plan because he's pretty detailed about how things go down here and and you know uh I do believe God will provide no matter where you are no matter what you're doing uh but at the same time if you're able to uh to stock up on a couple things and I'm not a you know uh, I'm not trying to tell you to you know uh go be crazy on this stuff because at some point you got to trust God in it. Uh, But you know, if you could, if you could have enough stuff to uh, help out someone who didn't prepare, I think because you'll be witnessing a lot in, uh, in these days and uh, nothing witnesses like helping and giving some of your provision. All right.
1: Absolutely.
0: The other thing here uh, that really stuck out, the full strength of the cup of his anger and will be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of holy angels and in the presence of the lamb mm. now, yeah, just the right Lord's there.
1: not gonna hide his judgment <laughs> um, i think all heaven is going to be silent in the moment that the lord steps out in his full fury And wrath.
0: But, you know, I was under this impression, uh, probably because I had heard it so many times about hell. And hell is, and I've probably even said this on the air, okay? I don't know. I haven't been to hell. I've had a vision of it. It's not pretty. But I've always thought and had it explained to me that hell is a complete separation from God. But yet Jesus went to hell and he took the keys. Jesus holds the keys. Yeah. Who created hell? It wasn't the devil. The devil isn't even in hell right now. He's not going around as the king of hell. He is hell himself because he's the opposite of God. But he is not in hell. He's roaming to and fro in the earth. He's going to be cast down, as we're going to see. So, can you imagine being in this lake of fire? and looking up and seeing God and his holy angels for all of eternity. That just makes it worse, doesn't it?
1: Yeah. See, I don't think of it as a place more. I think of it more as a position. Um, you know, Scripture tells us that that our God is a consuming fire. And when you think about his glory, often his glory in the old Testament was described by fire. Um, You know, even scriptures talk about, you know, that Satan himself that he walked among the coals of of, uh, the stones of fire in God's presence. So I think that, you know, for the way that I see it is, you know, the Bible tells us that the Lord would hide his face because the glory of his light, um, you know, would bring death in light of that sin. And I think that this is the moment, you know, where all those um, who, you know, have been uh, taking this mark and, and refusing to turn to the Lord, where they see him Face to face and oh
0: that's so good, Jesse. Wow. You know, how
1: do you um you know, I guess just put all the elements in there that you're you're in this place of face to face in the full unfiltered presence of God's glory, and you know, it's gonna be like that tormenting, burning, um sulfur smoke, you know, the fire that rains down. Um, I just, you know, and even the fact, you know, throughout scripture, the Holy Spirit is often represented by water. And so think about that, uh, that even the lake of fire, um, represents the fullness of God's presence coming out, um, and people are experiencing that fullness of
0: without the covering of the blood. Wow! Yeah,
1: without the covering of the blood. Yeah.
0: Whoa, that Jesse, that is so deep, man. I'm gonna ponder that for a long time. Uh, wow, I think you might have some revelation there.
1: Yeah. Woo. And you know, I mean, I think about that too because it's when they mourn. You know, there's a verse that says they will look upon him who they have pierced, and they shall mourn because of him and in, in hell are they mourning because of the absence of God or are they mourning because they fully see him as who he is and they know that they turned away, they rejected, they refused. And, you know, I mean, I think I guess you'd have to have the personal experience, but to destroy something that you love you know it's like that child that you know your parent is has to punish you and how do you feel and and you're seeing those tears on your parents face because you know they, they don't want to punish you but it's the way it is and for them to be just and true and righteous they have to be faithful to their word And so that moment when you realize God is faithful to the uttermost to his word, even if that means he destroys something that he loves.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever. They have no rest day and night. Those who worship the beast in his image and whosoever receives the mark. Of his name, so forever and ever, the smoke of their torment. So and think about the, this.
1: The change go on go words, go, yeah. The change on words. Like, if we think about it, we're told that our prayers are like incense that rises before the throne, and the and the Lord um that incense is before him continually, and now all of a sudden you've got. The smoke of their torment um, is rising forever and ever, and there's no rest day or night for those who worship the beast. Um, but go ahead, Jeff. What were your thoughts on that?
0: Well, listen, I, I really don't want to get into detail, but you know, uh, I the smoke—it's it, almost like you—you know, the you're being burnt constantly, and it's smoke, like there—it's inescapable lake of fire. And, and now with this, with what the Bible is telling us, he's able to see Jesus. See, they're in the presence of Jesus and the holy angels and going, man, did I ever mess up, you know. Uh, but there's no escape. There's, when you're there, there's no coming out forever and ever. Yeah. This is why it's important that we get more people saved. I'm telling you the worst people on earth don't deserve well, God makes God's judgment is just, but we don't want the, even the worst person on earth to experience this.
1: And the cure is simple. you know if anybody's out there today and you're wrestling, you're you're struggling, you you're trying to decide if you want to make that commitment to come into a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, today's the day. And it's as simple as repenting and turning away from your sins and asking the Lord to forgive you of those sins and asking him to be the Lord of your life. And, um, you know, his word says that repentance is, is all that he's looking for. He wants to hear you know, hear you say, Lord, I was wrong and I'm coming into agreement with you that these sins that I've been engaged in, they're wrong in your eyes. And it hurts you to see me sin. Um, it hurts me (laughs) when I'm engaged in these sins and, and God's, you know, why has he told us they're wrong? Because he sees that our sins lead to death. It leads to separation from him. And, um, it leads to Jesse,
0: why don't you just lead us in the prayer? Why don't you just lead yeah there's someone out there and if you say this prayer with Jesse please send an email to write on Jeff at gmail.com. uh just so we can look over we can pray over it. Um uh, look we're not a great ministry where we can come and invite you into you know but we like to see it and we like to keep track. Um yeah. and so stand up but Jesse lead lead the sinner's prayer. Yeah
1: definitely please. Lord, we do believe that your word says that if we confess our sins, that you are faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So Lord, in faith, we come today, we just lay at your feet all of our sins and go ahead and maybe take a moment to silently name all those sins before the Lord. And Lord, you know each sin. We just ask that... um, that you would cleanse us from each one we trust that you forgive us and we know that your word says that as we ask you to become lord of our lives that your word says that we die with you and we've been raised to new life and it's only because of your precious blood that you loved us so much that you gave yourself you shed your blood for our sins so that they can be forgiven and we thank you for that. And we trust that um, this is a one-time deal, that we can only die with you once. We can only be raised to new life with you once. And we ask now that you would teach us how to live within this new life. We ask this in your precious name, Jesus. Amen.
0: Amen. I'll, I'll tell you, I don't say this lightly, but I'm really feeling the presence of the Holy Spirit at this moment. And I know that there's someone who has come into agreement with that prayer amen and uh and i just want to reaffirm what jesse said it's a it's a one shot deal uh you faith is the belief in things yet to be seen and when you say that prayer and and i'm assuming you meant it when you said it Mm -hmm. then you just believe in faith look you're gonna sin again you're going to sin again. It's okay. He paid for your sins that are coming up as well. I pray every day that I'll sin less the next day. But believe in faith that when you said that prayer, that's a forever prayer. And it's God's word that says it is. So you can be assured that that word is true.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, the church doesn't teach us to walk in assurance of faith, that um, our faith is a process, just like a a tree, it has to grow. And as we grow, there's going to be those moments where we're tempted, there'll be moments where we fall away, you know, but if we trust the Lord, he's going to prune those dead branches in our lives and it's a daily thing. We have to come before him and, and say, Lord, prune away the sins in my life and trust him to do that. Um, it's, a, it's a relationship of working together um, that as we continue to confess those sins, he cleanses us. And as he cleanses us, he makes us new. And, um, you know, instead of I, I don't wake up every morning and say, you know, thinking of all the sins that I may uh, do. You know, I grew up in churches where that was the situation or the case, uh, very legalistic, very religious, where, you know, I mean, I was afraid even sometimes to think because it was like you you can't even do anything without it possibly being a sin, and I was so fearful that every moment I was going to mess up, and it it creates this false security, which is called perfectionism. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, don't get stuck in that perfectionism trap. It, it's not grace, um, you know, and it's not what saves us. It's not by our works. Like it really. That perfectionism puts us in a place where we're focused on our works. Like, I've been good today. I didn't commit any of the sins I normally do. So now I'm good and, and I'm pleasing to God. But because that's that it's that falseness, it's based on our works, we, d- we still don't feel. We don't feel that righteous uh, uprightness or that we're right before God. So how do we get that feeling and know with full assurance that we're pleasing before God? It only comes one way. We have to be daily coming on our knees saying, Lord, here I am. I'm not perfect. You already know all my imperfections, but I'm giving them to you today. And I'm just going to trust if I'm doing something that's not pleasing to you, show it to me, Lord. And I will confess that. And, uh, you know, it's walking in that relationship. It, you know, Lord, if I do something that hurts you today, show me that hurt. And uh...
0: Jesus says, Take my yoke. My yoke is easy. And after you said that prayer, Think of it as Jesus coming alongside of you and putting his arm around you and walking with you. And because you're in the presence of God, you're going to sin less. But even when we look at the apostles who walked with Jesus, they made mistakes in his presence. That was okay. But he walked with them, and because they walked with him, they sinned less. And I think that's the simplicity of the message. Um, Don't get all tied up in legalism because it's just, you know, there is grace, but, you know, we don't want to say grace covers all things as well and it's not all things are permissible. No, there's some things that you should not do. Absolutely. Uh, The number one commandment is don't put any other God in front of our God. Our God has a jealous streak when it comes to that and... You do not want to encounter his wrath. So, all right, back to the scriptures, Jesse. Here is the perseverance of the saints who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, write, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, Says the spirit, so that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow with them. Oh, it's so beautiful. Yeah. Then we get into, I know it's uh, Jesse and I, with something that we share in common, it's the harvest. And there's a lot to be said here. So I'm just going to skip to this, Jesse. Uh, then I looked and behold a white cloud and sitting on the cloud was one like the son of a man with a golden crown on his head and a s- sharp sickle in his hand. And of course, this is refor- referring to the Lord and is coming back. And this is re- affirming again, uh, he's coming back and you're going to see in the next couple uh, verses that this is when, the church is gathered up with him again. So yes, there is a rapture. It's just people disagree on the timing. Um, But it's clear in the Bible, when's the timing? When he comes back. Mm -hmm. When he comes riding on the cloud. And uh, again, when you go back to Matthew 24, go into Luke, I think it's 13, go into, you know, even... Uh, the earlier books in in the book of Revelation, the earlier chapters, it gives the physical representation of the sun going the sun going dark, the moon going blood red, uh, all this stuff happening on the earth. Now we're looking at a heavenly uh, thing, <coughs> and you know he's being called, and this is interesting because another angel came out of the temple, calling out with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud. Put in your sickle and reap for the hour to reap has come because the harvest of the earth is ripe. Now, remember, it's uh, the scriptures say that not even Jesus knows the date. Only the Father knows the day of the return. So, you know, here it's like the Father's dispatching an angel. All right, go tell the Lord. It's time.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, this is kind of a scary... Situation, you know, if we see everybody like this imagery where we're all grapes on a vine, and it's like the, you know, the Lord is going to take his sickle and reap all those that are part of the harvest, but then he's going to come across a second time, and that second time will be his wrath and the destruction of those who did not worship.
0: Yeah and so when you when you go back to the wheat and the chaff you know the wheat was to be gathered and to put into the storehouse and the chaff was to be bundled and put aside for burning and we're seeing this play out here where we are being brought up into his stores and uh the rest of the earth is right ready for his uh, his wrath and the burning there's mm-hmm. no nice way to put it
1: yeah there, there isn't a nice way to put it. It's pretty graphic. We'll just put it that way.
0: Yep. So then he sat on the cloud, swung his sickle over the earth, and the earth was reaped. And another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven, and he also had a sharp sickle. And then the other angel, the one who has the power over fire, came out from the altar, and he called with a loud voice to him who had the sharp sickle saying, put your sharp sickle and gather the clusters from the vine of the earth because her grapes are ripe. So again, this is the ones that are bundled. This has been the, the separating of the wheat and the chaff here. Yeah. And, the, you know, the wheat go up and the chaff get burnt up. Um, it's not pretty, folks. You don't want to be left behind in this uh, at this time. And this is the, this is the end of days. Like literally from this day, the church is gathered with him and the wrath of God is started. Okay. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And look, uh, yeah.
1: I think now, it, it calls for a pause of silence, Jeff. I mean, there's really not does. much to say. You're just kind of left feeling an overwhelming need to process all of this.
0: Yeah, I just sing "Amazing Grace" in my head, you know, <laughs> uh, because that's what it is. Yeah. Now, now here's one of the things when I said we take the uh, the scriptures literally, unless it's supposed to be figuratively. When he talks about the wine press, okay, I'm not picturing a big wine press coming down from the heavens, okay? It's giving example of essentially what's going to happen to people (laughs) you know it's just giving a, a description uh from what john could see of what's happening to people and uh so it's not an actual wine press but it's uh well let's see what happens yeah so they were poured into the great wine press uh of the wrath of God and the wine press was trampled outside the city and the blood came from the wine press up to the horse's bridles for a distance of 1600 Sadia. So, you know, up to the horse's bridles, I don't know, that's maybe six feet deep. Yeah. And uh, it's
1: interesting. There's some things just to kind of point out Um, In the passage, it says that uh, this is happening, that the angels come out and speak from the temple that's in the heavens. Um, So, you know, is this outside the city of God or is it now uh, taking place on, on the earth? Um, you know, where it's outside the city of God here on earth, which would be near Jerusalem, possibly in the Valley of uh, Jezreel, um, you know, where Armageddon is supposed to take place, uh, which is kind of like this deep sunken valley, almost like a bowl or a cup. So, um, you know, it could be speaking metaphorically of, of what is being done in the heavenlies or it could be physically here on Earth. Oh, Jeff, you're quiet.
0: Are you frozen? Uh, just give. Oh, okay. looks like we're back. Oh, see, the, the the technology gods did not want me to <laughs> disagree with you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so listen and i'm not in disagreement at all uh because but i i just look and at this point because the book of revelation is chronological we're not uh at this point we haven't gone through the vials being poured out and all the stuff that humanity has gone through but essentially listen cities have already been shaken there's some buildings that have collapsed like there's not really a city standing at this point right So people have been forced out of the cities. At least that's what I think of uh, when it comes to it. But it's just and and basically, I think you know, I think God's obviously purposeful in the amount of blood He is saying is here. Um, It's very purposeful, and I don't understand it. I'll be honest with you, but I will tell you that is a lot of blood.
1: That is, I mean, think of how large a stadium is and to have 1600 stadium's length and it goes up to a horse's bridle we'll just assume that's a small 16 hand horse you know that that's going to be above most people's heads
0: so for one uh there I've gone through a few different people to try to get the answer on this and probably the one that resides most with me is when they uh, say the distance of a stadia and they they bring it they break it down compared to acres and compare this and they do and essentially they come up with a distance of about 400 miles wow. 400 miles six feet deep wow. that that is a lot and, and and by the way you have to remember by this point there's been a lot of people killed on earth as well there's not that many people left by this point Uh, this chapter goes very fast and we lose sight of that, but there's the pouring out of the vials and the trumpets and things like that, that happen. Um, there's a lot of stuff that has happened before this point of, uh, Jesus return. Mm -hmm. So,
1: yeah. Wow. Well, Jeff, we'll let you say the closing prayer today.
0: Well, I said the opening prayer, but I'm willing Mm -hmm. to do it. It's an honor to pray. So heavenly father i give you thanks again for the privilege of reading your word and and sharing your word with with the people that you you give us uh, to be in our community father god we pray that if again if we said anything that is not from you that it falls off of their ears god and is remembered no more father we pray for that one or more than one person that, uh, that accepted your salvation today. We know that there's rejoicing in the heavenlies, and we know for this, for at least for one person, God, I really feel in my spirit that this was uh, someone who has battled with this decision for a very long time, and it's a big deal. It's a big deal in the kingdom. So, Father God, I thank you for that person or those individuals that have accepted your salvation today. Lord, I pray you fill them with your spirit. Lord, I pray you fill them with the boldness of the faith and the word of God. And Father, we give you thanks that you've not left us without knowing these things to come. We give you thanks for the Holy Spirit not abandoning us And it's going to give us the strength to hold through. In fact, God, with all these horrible things that are to come in the last days and when the last days are, we don't know, but we sense it soon, God. But by some feeling, although that's going to be awful in this world, I think we're going to be rejoicing because the Holy Spirit inside of us. And I give you thanks for that. May your name be glorified and lifted on high. As we pray this day, let each one hearing the sound of my voice really, really be encouraged on this day, the day the Lord has made. I pray in my Savior's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Well, well, this was a heavy one, Jesse. I got to admit, (laughs) this was a bit of a heavy one, but... You know, listen, it's called the book of Revelation for a reason. And uh, the Lord is revealing himself. And there is no book in the Bible, in my opinion, that reveals who our Lord is greater than the book of Revelation.
1: Yeah, I I would agree with that.
0: All right. Uh, so Tuesday, we've got a great show. It could go in a number of directions right now. I've probably got about three or four shows planned for Tuesday. Uh, But quite honestly, Jesse, there has been a word that has been burbling up in me. And although I want to tackle the news, we might have to fit this in because I'm starting to feel it's urgent.
1: All right. uh,
0: We we will have to discuss off air and maybe perhaps you can help work through these burdens with me.
1: (laughs) Sounds good.
0: All right. Hey, before you go, have you hit that like button? <laughs> it's 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 a Okay. It's a sin not to hit that like button. Hey, when we're Jeff reading the, and so- by <laughs> way, I cannot believe it. Even on our word up Sundays, we get like four or five thumbs down for doing nothing but reading the word of God. Like that's got to be a sorry ass soul who hits thumbs <laughs> down for the word of God. I'm just saying Maybe um, it
1: was because they didn't like one of our voices reading it, Jeff. You know, they might okay, have a no reason, whatever it is. Okay, you're referring I can tell is. where
0: you're going with that. <laughs> I have a good reading voice, Jesse.
1: <laughs> I wasn't talking about you, Jeff. Yes, you were.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you weren't it was referring voices to you. or looks, but I was
1: trying to decide which would not to go down today. <laughs> just to <laughs> <listen>. <laughs>
0: And yes, ladies and gentlemen, it is okay to have fun when you're saved, you know? In fact, I I, I try to do it every single day. <laughs> it's important to laugh. Man, I love to laugh. It's important to enjoy life and enjoy the ones you're with, you know? Uh, yeah, but definitely. I was going to say, it's a sin not to hit that like button. According to Jeffreyology. <laughs> the scriptures of Jeffreyology. <laughs> Jeff
1: um, okay. I uh-huh.
0: wrap. Oh my goodness, that's blasting. You'll have to
1: work on that one <laughs> a little bit more, Jeff.
0: <laughs> Listen, I, I know how many people are watching. I want to see that many thumbs up, all right? Please, please, please. It really does help us and, uh, and it encourages us as well uh, to keep going. Uh, thank you for being here with us and we'll see you on Tuesday. Of course, remember, the number one commandment is to love your God. So love your God, love your family, love your neighbor, and make a difference in your community.